they often say that men are hired on potential and women are hired on accomplishment. Mm. So get stuff made. Do not wait for permission. Do not wait for um, someone to give you the opportunity. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> Welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candace Lowry is a CastBox original produced alongside Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a shot because I think it's the best. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Persister. I'm Candice, and I am here today with America Young, who is a filmmaker and activist. And I'm so excited to have you here today because I have so many questions (laughs) about everything from voiceover to motion capture to equality and... I think that we're going to be able to dive deep into some subjects. Let's Hopefully in. not make you cry. <laughs> um, Unless so, it's like a happy cry. Yeah. Like we could do happy cry. Like a, a really profound moment. Cry. Like a purge of emotions. <laughs> <Yeah>. and... <laughs> I don't have any tissues, so that's a problem. Um, great. Okay. Well, before we got started, you mentioned that your parents are doctors mm-hmm. and you're, a lot of people in your family are doctors. And I'm wondering how you kind of made this path away from that and more going into creativity and entertainment. By disappointing them terribly, oh. <laughs> I think, is probably what. Um, no, actually, I, I applied to med school and got accepted, but um, I had a conversation with my dad right beforehand, who's a surgeon, and he said, is this really what you want? And I said, because my entire life I've been doing other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with the, just the assumption that I would become a doctor because that's what somebody does, right? Yeah. And um, he asked me, is this what you really want? And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, you you probably shouldn't become a doctor. Like, yeah. if you're going to become a doctor, if you want to be a good doctor, you have to want it with every fiber of your being. Otherwise, you'll be miserable and you won't be a good doctor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what else do you want to do? And then that opened up a whole other conversation. And I had gotten accepted into medical school early and I had some time to defer a couple years. So I deferred and came out here expecting to get here being in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. um, get my teeth kicked in with disappointment and I never left. Mm. So it's funny because sometimes when people change their trajectory, their parents get really upset and there is a little bit of disappointment, but this sounds like your parents were really supportive of you and wanted you to be happy. Yeah. They were. It's just amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. They got, I mean, there was concern, mm-hmm. right? Because I had been training my whole life and focused my whole life going to go one way and had the skills to support myself in one way. And then you're moving out and doing something completely new for the first time. Not, not necessarily for the first time, but you're doing something completely new. Yeah. How are you going to survive? Right. How are you going to support yourself? Um, but that's the thing that they both have always said: as long as you're happy and eating, yeah. <laughs> then we'll, 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 you know, we'll support you emotionally for that. Yeah. So when you came out here, did you have an inkling of a plan, or were you just kind of like, "We're gonna see what happens, where the wind takes me"? I just got in contact with anyone I knew who knew anyone out here, and I just started signing up for acting classes and trying to get involved and meet people and figure out what was going on and. 
one of the things that I loved about LA is everyone is doing something. Everyone is creating something and sometimes they're just full of it but right. a lot of the times they're not and everyone's building something and creating something out of nothing and everyone you come across has something going on and that just is so invigorating mm-hmm. to meet someone and, and find out what they're what they're currently building you know yeah and I feel like it's a great place for everyone to start from square one together yeah because <laughs> we all are yeah. very few people are actually from LA or still in LA you know? I know it is rare yeah. whenever I find someone who grew up in LA I'm like how are you still here yeah. like what are you doing what's that like yeah exactly yeah. so what was the moment where you found something out here and you're like I'm actually really good at this and really enjoy this oh that's a good question I don't know it, it was more of a gradual process. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there was ever an epiphany of like, I'm staying or yeah. this is it. But it was just little bit by little bit, every new person I met, every new class I took, every new thing that happened, it was just more and more of a validation that I should be here. I mean, there were some shit days. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. This was not a fairy tale. There were some horrible days where I would call my parents up crying mm-hmm. hysterically saying everything sucks. And they would say, does it suck as much as quitting and moving back and going to med school? And I, the answer was always no. Mm-hmm. So that was my one, you know, thing that kept me in check. But uh, it was it was just a gradual process. I, I felt like I found my people. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing is I'd moved around a lot. And I've met a lot of really great people throughout those moves. But never before have I felt like I found a group, a city of people in which I connected with as much mm-hmm. because they were all creators. Right. Um, and they're all artists. And so I think that ultimately is what made me realize that this is where I belong. Yeah, and I'm interested. I'm fascinating with fascinated with the world of VO. Oh yeah, voiceover, and I love it. I wish I could do it, <laughs> but I can't. Why not? I don't know. I I feel like I have a weird voice. That's great. Like, oh, okay. Are you kidding? <laughs> weird voice. First of all, you don't have a weird voice. But second of all, <laughs> weird voices work all the time. Yeah, and I'm wondering, how do you get started in that? Do you just take separate voiceover classes? Mm-hmm. And then you just say, like, this is my fun voice or this is this. Do you have this just repertoire of different types of voices in you or do you? There's different types of voiceover artists. If you're going to do animation, then it's good that you it's a good idea that you'd be able to do about 12 to 15 different types of voices. But there's people who specialize just in kids voices. There's people who specialize in teen, the kid boy voices. Mm. There's people who specialize in, in accents. There's people. So that's animation. And then there's people who just use just their voice and do nothing else. And they do promos. Mm-hmm. You know, and but that's a very specific voice, or they right. do the trailer voice, or so. There's such, there's so many different types of of niches in the voiceover world. It's a little bit more difficult to get into because on any t- particular show, you can have one person playing up to three voices for the same SAG contract, mm. right? So it, normally on a live wow. act, and a live action show for every single person who says a line, you'd need a new actor. Right. In voiceover, you don't. If they have this one character who has two lines in this one particular episode, they'll just say, hey, Andrew, you, you, you do this voice. Throw on an accent, and then he would just do it, and that's included in his contract. So that's why it gets, it's a little bit – it's a tighter-knit circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily need to have a 1,000 different voices. There are people who do who are 
phenomenal. <laughs> um, and I can give you some websites to go to. Like Aaron Fitzgerald has an, an e-book out. Um, uh, uh, Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt both have a book out. Like there's there's people out that are give great advice and, and could definitely help guide you in that direction. For me, I mine was a fluke how I got into it. Mm-hmm. I was back in Omaha taking an acting class as an elective. And this guy was talking about how he just got cast in a cartoon. And I was like, oh, huh, that is acting, isn't it? <laughs> and they had, it was like a guest speaker who had come in. So I wow. went up to him afterwards. And I was like, how does – the same question you just asked me. <laughs> how do you do how, how, how do you get into that? What is that like? I mean, I know for on camera you need a headshot, right? Yeah. So how do you do voiceover? And I meant in the general sense. He misunderstood me, thought I was asking specifically for his show. Mm. And he goes, I think they're still casting. Do you want me to see if you can audition? And I went, what? Oh, that scares the <laughs> shit out of me. But okay, because I don't know what I'm doing. And so um, I think I was 16 at oh the time. Oh, my God. And so she, he calls the producer, Marsha Goodman, here in Los Angeles and says, hey, in a class of 100 kids, this is the only one who came up to me and asked me about this. Wow. And she goes, that girl's got chutzpah. Let her audition. <laughs> Classic Hollywood. Classic Hollywood, right? <laughs> and so um, they let me audition, and I got cast as Betty Cooper. Oh, my God. Yeah, in the Archie's TV show. So so and then I did that, and then I didn't do voices voiceover for a long time. But that was not having a special voice. That was just because I sounded like a teenager because <laughs> I was one. Um, and I had the – I sound – you know, I'm, I'm not blonde, but right. I, I sound like one. So that's crazy. Yeah. So when this happens and you get there, I've heard that you kind of have to sometimes – just go line by line by yourself mm-hmm. without someone acting yeah. with you. Yeah. So do you just in, read it a ton of different ways and then just move on? Or how does the recording process work? It depends on what it is. Video games, you just have basically an Excel spreadsheet and it's just your lines and you very rarely know the context. And so what they'll just say is, say your line, did you just go through and do each line three times, three different ways? Mm-hmm. And then there's someone in the booth who will guide you one way or another. And then, but for animation, sometimes you're in a room with your cast and sometimes you're not, but you usually have the full script. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little bit easier to figure out what your choice is. Um, and usually in that case, they'll have you just go through it or they'll have you do each line twice. Um, the cool thing about animation is that it's just all completely in your head. Right. Like it's just you have to picture what the other person is saying. You have to picture your world. You have to picture the environment. You have to picture everything in your head. And that's 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 the other thing about motion capture. Motion capture is mm-hmm. very similar. Um, you don't have anything. You're in a big empty right. space and you have to picture it all. And that's what I love about both things is living in my imagination. Yeah, because I see these behind the scenes videos all the time of like Planet of the Apes or um, anything Andy Circus does. And it's just like they're talking to a little green ball. And I'm yeah. like, how do you take yourself seriously and be able to get in this mindset? Especially him. I mean, the emotional yeah. places he goes is just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's just all in your head, so, you know? So they, so you go from voiceover and then do motion capture. It That seems like a totally different area where you have to kind of be very physical and very much so on camera. Yeah, you are on camera in that regard, and it is much more physical. Um, but And sometimes you're still recording voice at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many different skill sets. That the closest thing that I can attribute motion capture to is like be, doing stage acting. Mm. Uh, because you're in a 360 environment, and um, you want your motions to be slightly bigger than you would on television. 
it's not even necessarily about bigger. It's you want to move your body. You want to live in your body. When mm-hmm. you're on television, you really don't want to move much more than your face. Mm-hmm. Um, in voiceover, you move to get the right sound, but it's all in your face, and it's you know you're using your body as a tool. In motion capture, you're capturing motion, right. so it needs to be interesting <laughs> motion. You can't just stand there, right. you know. And it's a fine line between um, uh, miming it. You know, like looking at your watch because you're late mm-hmm. or just showing that you're agitated because you're running late, mm-hmm. you know. So that's it's – it's a cool way. It's a whole other expression of the story. Right. So is it weird once that character or that scene is out to see it and be like, oh, that's that's me? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. So, especially when it's a character that, like, that you've been a fan of. You know, like yeah. I got to work on the Halo game and then looking up there and being like, oh, my God. That's Spartan's me. That, that's Spartan right there. That one, that one, that one's mine. Like the, it's that's the craziest thing is when you're seeing. I did something also for Harry Potter mm-hmm. and seeing myself or Hermione move as me or vice versa or like that kind of stuff was that is a little surreal. Yeah. Um, but what I what I love about it more and more they're doing performance capture, which is voiceover and motion capture at the same time. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about it initially was you have the best voiceover actor you could possibly cast as the voice, and you've got someone who is an uh, Olympic athlete or Cirque athlete. I'm thinking specifically of the Spider-Man game I worked on. Mm. You have an amazing voiceover actor. And then you have this guy who was in Cirque who was playing Spider-Man in the volume, right? And so he's the best possible athlete you could possibly do. And then you have these incredible artists and animators. And it's like Voltron. Like you have, Mm -hmm. you put together the best best performance you could ever possibly do on camera because of how you're able to compartmentalize it out that way and then blend it all together. So that's why you get such incredible performances, you know? Yeah, and when you, I guess, audition for something like that, do they have to look at your specific body and the way your body mm-hmm. moves to say, okay, this is more of a Hermione figure yeah. or or something with, like, World of Warcraft, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to look at that and say, well, this person has a different body type, and do they have to cast it that way, too? Absolutely. I mean, because you can have someone, like, I know some stunt girls who are just ripped, can hang from walls from their fingertips, but they have super high-pitched voices that you Mm. might not cast as the heroes (laughs) blowing shit up. So then you get somebody who has that voice who isn't physical at all and can barely, you know, walk and talk. Right. And so that that way you it absolutely with motion capture, it's about the physicality. So these these girls are phenomenal talents and they're cool and the way they walk is strong and athletic and dominant, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you have someone else who has the right voice that matches that character and you're you're pairing that together. Yeah. So when you talk about these like super powerful women do you see a gender gap or inequality within certain parts of the industry so with like voiceover or with motion capture because a lot of the times like behind the scenes videos I see it's very male dominant and I'm wondering if you being there see that that's still an issue not only with um you know live action actresses and actors but also with animation and these characters as well yeah it's still one in six on a good day so oh my God. so when you when you show up at a mocap stage for the most part the last game I worked on it was more even now that I think about it but usually it's you know especially when you're doing just motion capture and you're not necessarily doing performance as well and you're populating a crowd or you're doing a whole fight scene or you're doing 
all the motion capture for all the voiceover people. So when I one of my first games I ever worked on was Spider-Man, and I played most of the female characters, and then they had the guys for the different because all. Unfortunately, most of the female characters were very similar. Uh-huh. Um, and then all the guys had there's all shapes and sizes for all the different guys. But it was it's usually just one woman for six men. Wow, playing all the different characters. And usually, although more and more this is getting better, the women are the ones being saved, mm-hmm. and then the men are the ones saving them. Um, I worked on a Conan game, which was a blast to work <laughs> on. But like the every single female character in that game is topless. Oh my god, that sucks. Yeah, so all the women, even the villain was was had no it was topless, it was boobs. And then mo- and most of the girls throughout are just tied to something. Like they're topless and tied to something and so it's 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 an interesting it's getting better. Mm-hmm. And also in terms of the text that you see on stage and the people who directing mm-hmm. and stuff, it is usually in the animators, it is usually guys. The game I just worked on where there was a better balance, there was a a, a woman who was one of the writers, mm-hmm. and that's really not common. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just directed – what am I allowed to say? I, <laughs> I just directed a video game for a company – that's about as specific, I think, as I can get. Okay. And um, it, was, uh, it was neck and neck. And I have done – at this point, I've worked on over 40, uh, 55 games. God. And the, the other guy that I was up against has directed a music video. What? Hasn't even worked in the motion capture space. And it was oh neck and neck. Like they, they were back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Why? And they couldn't decide. They couldn't <laughs> decide who was best for the thing. And I've not only worked on 55 video games, titles, and motion capture, and stunts, and sci-fi. Um, and I've directed a feature. And I've directed 13 shorts at this point. So my resume is like... Yeah, and I then, was looking through like, okay. And this guy has done go. like one, maybe two music videos and has no idea of even of the tech knowledge. And yeah. so it was neck and neck up until the week before we were shooting who they were going to hire. And ultimately I got the job. But still to be it, like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I mean, I could understand if I was up against another guy who had any experience whatsoever mm-hmm. in, in in animation or motion capture. I also just directed an entire um, motion capture series for Barbie. Like I, yeah. I, I get, I know that world and then there's people who know a ton more than I do on the technical aspect of it. But when it comes to motion capture and storytelling and all of that through that, I know that. And it was neck and neck. Like I just barely got that job. So I think it's still, we're, all, we're still learning. And I think there's so much fear. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what that fear exactly is based in. I don't know whether it's a fear of not, them not being able to, ha- us not being able to handle it. Yeah. Um, or not getting it because this particular game was particularly violent, even though I still coordinate. So I get action also. I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting experience. And, and it went amazing like the shoot was so great mm-hmm. and we had such an amazing time and um the, i just got feedback the other day about it and I, everyone was thrilled with what they got and we're using everything we shot and so it, it worked out but it was only because i had someone on the inside who was like you have to use her you have to use her what are you doing what are you doing yeah. what are you doing you have to use her what are you doing <laughs> do you want to lose money That's what well, yeah but they and i don't know that they would have lost money and it might have turned out to be just yeah. fine but it, you have to have those people. You have to have those advocates and possessions of power where people are listening who say, who have to keep pushing. Yeah. And keep saying, yeah, what, but what about? Yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about? And it's not even about gender at that point. It's just about experience and qualification, you know? Yeah, and when you were experiencing that at that moment when you found out it was 
this guy who really didn't have experience, did that, I don't know, not discourage you, but did it make you feel like, wow, is this really? Oh, it's totally discouraged. <laughs> like, is this a, I mean, I don't know. I would almost feel offended by the fact that, you know, you know exactly how these actors are feeling. You know the types of movements you need because you've done it. And then there's someone that's just Who, there. Who's just never done it. And yeah. and I, I understand that the company was coming from a place of fear because they've not, they haven't worked with a female in this capacity. Yeah. And that is scary. That's super scary if yeah. it's not something you've ever done. And I appreciate that ultimately they took that risk and they were amazing to work with. And there was never a moment on when we were actually working that I felt them think to themselves, oh, well, listen, to our, you know, yeah. there was complete and total respect once I showed up. And the fact that they took that risk was a huge deal for mm -hmm. them because as far as I know, this company has never done that before. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, of course it was discouraging because, you know, you take a lot of time and you, you, you learn as much as you possibly can and you build up your experience and you hope that there, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I'm a shoe-in, yeah. right? I've worked so hard for so <laughs> it's long. It's obvious. I got this, mm -hmm. you know? And and again, if if this other guy I was up against also had credits, like, you know, not even, not even as much as I did, but had some central credits and I would have been like, okay, I get it. But the fact that it was such a hard decision with the field that it was, mm -hmm. um, that's that was a little disheartening. Yeah, you know, and it ended up with a good happy ending. Totally right? working out. Yeah, but it, it, at the time when I kept getting the call saying we're working on it, we're working on it, we still don't know. I was like, what? Like coming out of my skin. Have we got? <laughs> oh my god! You know? Well, I'm really excited to keep talking about this and really dive a little deeper, especially. I'm okay. I'm like dying to learn about Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you everyone for listening. And I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe to Persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there. So I just wanted to thank you all again for listening and let's get back into it. Welcome back to Persister. I am here with America Young, and I am getting the lowdown on <laughs> everything from motion capture to VO to directing video games, which is unreal. So I shamelessly want to know all about Barbie, and <laughs> I think it's just, I is it crazy that you are Barbie? Yeah. Can I, can I tell the public that, like, you are Barbie? Yeah, it's weird, right? It's totally weird. Yeah. I still don't – I still – I've been doing this for years now, and I still don't quite wrap my head around, like, the – I think the reason why is because I'm not, I'm not like, the Barbie that we grew up with. She's, yeah. she's a different girl now. Mm -hmm. She's – I've been working with Mattel since around 2014, and we – to rebrand her into – um, somebody who's a little bit more relatable mm -hmm. and more of a, um, a, a role model that you can have contact with and, and an actual role model that's, you know, she's not this 25-year-old glamour supermodel who has had all the jobs already and is excellent and perfect at everything. Um, and so that's, that's why I think I'm able to separate the idea of 
who she is and who she's become. But yeah. uh, Julia Pister was working with Mattel uh, to to rebrand her and, and find a way to make her more accessible to this new generation and came up with the idea of putting her on YouTube and making her a vlogger. Mm-hmm. And doing motion capture um, with with the pipeline that had they had kind of designed um, on the back end, they, they can turn them out every 10 days. Like the animation... Wow. So we could be so current. Something could have just happened the day before, and we can update it and put it out there so that it feels so much like a real YouTuber, whereas traditional animation takes months, Yeah, you know, even for just a three-minute episode. So when you're vlogging, I guess, the whole thing is shot Mm -hmm. and recorded as well. Mm -hmm. So are you, like, sitting at a little... Yeah, I'm sitting (laughs) at a table just like this, and there's a camera right here that I I talk to, and then we have our props and, you know, guests, like my guests on my vlog, just like you do on your podcast, and they're in the motion capture suit, and we have the the face cams on, and um, it's a, it's, we, we just act out the whole thing, and so that, you know, all of our emotions um, are fully captured in in what you see and face expressions facial expressions also because yeah. i i used to work at full screen and they yeah. did a lot of work with the barbie mm-hmm. channel and i remember thinking we we're like this is the future of toys <laughs> like because hello kitty got yeah. her own little vlog and yeah. everything so it's weird and wild to see the process of it being made but how do they get to the point of being able to turn it around so quickly that's just that's a technical pipeline situation that they've been able to manufacture, and they've they've done it in a way that a lot of other companies, not specifically Mattel, it's people that like Counterpunch and Halon that they've subcontract out to House of Moves. Um, that that other, I like I was talking to a friend of mine at ILM, and he was like, "You do what now? How fast?" Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't believe it. You know, there's so many different companies who are trying to figure out exactly what they've been doing, and it's. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive how they do it. And then it's the writing, um, which is Julia, uh, mm-hmm. that makes her so relatable and so real. And Julia takes these super dense, heavy topics mm-hmm. and finds a way to distill them down to the basic kernel of truth so that if you're six or if you're 50, you're watching it and going, oh, that's me. Wow. You know, she she talks about depression. Barbie's talking about depression yeah, and how to deal what? with depression. Barbie's talking about how we apologize too much as girls, you know, <laughs> like and apologize for taking up space, the sorry reflex. They talk about we had a Harvey Weinstein episode. What? It was disguised as something else, but it was totally about talking wow. about the different types of bullies there are. And there's the bullies that try to hurt you physically. And there's the bullies that try to talk you into doing something you know is wrong. Wow. You know, and it, it's just it's just amazing. And they mix that up with fun challenges. So mm-hmm. she's an authentic YouTuber. Right. Um, but it's 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 wonderful. And it's wonderful. And reading the comments of people going, oh, my God, I needed this. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know when Barbie started giving TED Talks, but I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, um, Woke Barbie has been my favorite response to it. We got it featured on Vice and they they were like, what well, Barbie is woke. <laughs> Um, yeah, because sometimes when companies try to shift that direction, it can come. It can co- sometimes come off as pandering, yeah, or as insincere yeah, or as pandering. Being, they're doing it just because they know that you know they're going to get a response from it. Right. But this, from what you're telling me, it sounds like this is a genuine, totally person, and you kind of have to build an entire human being off of 
just being creative just, and Julia really wants to make the world a better place. I really want to make the world a better place. Rosanna Sam, my producer, really wants to make the world a better place. Like Teal, like there's so many people who are at Mattel who genuinely want to make the world a better place. Now, Mattel might have ultimately made the decision to greenlight this because they were like, oh, that's a good business move. Right. But all of the people that I come in contact to with on a day-to-day basis genuinely want to make the world a better place and genuinely want to give this voice to to girls but kids also and we just analyze every single word we purposely don't open the vlog with hey guys Mm. because we want it to be Mm all-inclusive to all genders yeah all identities it's really good to hear too that the writer is a female yeah i mean there's even i've had people on here that women that are just literally hired to make girls in scripts sound more like girls and it's so upsetting sometimes and Mm -hmm. discouraging to hear that that all a lot of these famous female characters aren't even they're not even written by women women. and and the sad thing is is what does it mean to make them sound more like girls a lot of the times it means going oops sorry sorry like adding (laughs) in apologies adding in tropes Mm -hmm. that are that are really hurtful right really damaging tropes but that's the stereotype of what a girl sounds like, so that's what they'll bring to the table, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it's it's been it's been an amazing experience. I've been really and, and the interesting thing is is when I went in for it, I thought to myself, well, there's no way in hell I'm Barbie. Right. There's no way in hell. <laughs> so I just kinda did, well, I'm just gonna make her kind of the anti Barbie, which I feel like is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I made her snort when she laughed. I made her <laughs> nervous and twitch. I made her talk about how her favorite school classes in school were English and science, because that was mine. Mm-hmm. I made a Star Wars reference. Like I just made her the complete Real. opposite. Yeah. yeah. Because I was just like, well, I don't fit that mold. I never will. Yeah. And little did I know that's exactly what Julia and the team were looking for. Yeah. And so they had other people who had come in and fit, and played towards the mold of who she's been, mm. which is hard to do. It's a hard thing to do. And the people who have played her in the past are amazing. Right. But I was like, that's not who I am. I'm not even going to try to be that. Right. I'm just going to be me. And that, thankfully, as the planets aligned, was exactly what they were looking for. So when you become Barbie, <laughs> is it one of those things where across every single thing that gets made by Mattel, like a Barbie movie – um, maybe a clip on Instagram. Is it does it all have to be you and a consistent voice, or did they for if a certain Barbie movie comes out, um, like in a year or so, they use a different voice actress? They uh, there well, there's a live action Barbie movie coming out, right? And that will definitely not be me. That's yeah. Margot Robbie, <laughs> yeah. who is gorgeous <laughs> and perfect for that. Um, so for the, in that regard, it wouldn't be. And mm-hmm. and when I first started, there was another amazing actress who was doing all the movies, and I was just the vlog. Okay. And then little bit by little bit, they saw that there was a success in the vlog, and then they started taking that vlogger character. It was two different types, which mm-hmm. I thought was awesome. I thought it was awesome that they had two different types of Barbies that spoke to two different groups of people, mm-hmm. and that the vlog was for the teens, and that the the other actress was doing the movies, which was for kind of an older audience and um, did an amazing job doing it, but it was a different style. Right. And I didn't think that was a problem with that, but somewhere along the line, they decided they did want to unify it. Mm. And so then the vlogger Barbie personality kind of started taking over in terms of all the other stuff. Now, if they wanted to do a Barbie in her 30s, I don't think that that would necessarily be me. Right. I don't know that I have the voice to pull that <laughs> off, but um, I would love to try it. Um, and in terms of like, 
commercials and stuff. Like I I won't do the Barbie voice if it's a non-union commercial. I won't. Mm. You know, there's certain things like Target has Barbie in their commercials. Right. And I don't do that, you know. Right. So there's certain places where if they give me the option and it's something that goes against something I agree with or honestly if it goes against – if it's something that I feel personally sets back mm-hmm. all the good work we've done, then I usually will pass on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been so good. The brand has been so good and yeah. so focused on not letting that happen that really the only reason I've turned stuff down is for union reasons. Yeah, and it's sometimes hard to find, I think especially in entertainment, people that just genuinely want a good thing yeah <laughs> you know that there's so many times sometimes where i'll see a movie i'm like this is clearly just being made just so they can make a bunch yeah. of money yeah they just turn them they're just turning them out right the the other thing and the gift we have with the vlog is that the scripts are three pages i mean we're talking about super short vlogs mm-hmm. right so we can truly analyze every word and we can truly say hey when we say this that might be offensive mm-hmm. or when we say this that might not be as inclusive or hey how about if what if we said this instead of that and we can play with different ways so we can really di- you know dive in there and make sure that we're not falling back on, on any old tropes without realizing it right you know um, there was an episode that we did where Ken and Barbie were coding together. Mm-hmm. And Barbie was actually teaching Ken how to be a better coder. <laughs> but there was something in, in one of the original scripts that that without even realizing it, you know, Ken had come across as patronizing. Mm. And it wasn't intended at right. all. It was set up it was a perfect setup for a, a great joke. But but pointing out the fact that this is a great joke, but maybe we find a different joke that has a different thing so he doesn't come across as patronizing. Right. Because we also want Ken to be as supportive as he can be, you know, yeah. to show boys watching how to interact. So we found a different joke and we all worked together as a team to find the best way of doing it. But it's just it's 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 amazing to have a team of people that do really want this to be the best possible thing it can be. Yeah, and speaking of awesome women, <laughs> um, I want to talk about a project you're working on, which you gave me this nifty yeah. little sticker that says you got this that I want to put on my computer and remind Good. me to. <laughs> on a daily basis, um, you got so this. So please tell me about this and how. That was an awesome segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have a nonprofit that I've started with a, a couple of people called the Tremera Project, and it's just about trying to make dramatic change in the landscape of gender inequality behind the camera specifically mm-hmm. um, so one of the things that we just done in the last pa- the last year is we had um, we gave finishing funds to some phenomenal filmmakers who identify as female uh, so they could finish their gorgeous projects who then went on and got distribution and PBS and won mm. uh, awards at the LA Film Festival and have gotten great coverage um, we do a lot of panels we did two panels at LA comic-con we're hoping to do two more at WonderCon one of which was a flip the script reading um, which uh, is oh, basically... Oh, I saw that. You did it with Supernatural? Yeah, we did it with yeah. Supernatural, yeah. <laughs> just the idea of... just The whole idea is to just get people thinking. And, mm-hmm. and we want to take active leaps to change landscape, but the best way to do it is just to kind of put a spotlight on things that just feel wrong. I love Supernatural. It's one of my favorite right. shows. And it didn't occur to me until I was halfway through, like, third or fourth season, how many white dudes are on that show. <laughs> like, every character that's yeah. on that show is, you know. And they started to weave more in as you went on. Um, but there there were just no women. So we were like, well, if we flipped the script. Right. And we did all the female roles as men and all the male roles as female, what would that sound like? 
Mm-hmm. It sounded weird. It sounded I'm weird sure. because other than like Orange is the New Black, th- Black, there's nothing else like that on television. Yeah. To have that many women mm-hmm. in one show. And the one male role, the one female role played by a male, which was actually Dove, um, was it's okay, honey. I got you. I'm gonna take care of you. You're okay. You're okay. Like that was that was that was his only line. Oh my god! In the entire, everything else was just went was so just he's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> just it's just a passive character, you know. And they have had some really dynamic female characters on that show. Mm-hmm. So this is in no way a dig on that show. But right. As as a rule, everybody on that show is a male. And and we went even further, right? So the car was a boy. We flipped the car to mm-hmm. be a male car, which was so weird to hear. Mm-hmm. Referred to the car as he. Because, you know, Dean's obsessed with his car, mm-hmm. her car. Um, <laughs> uh, we flipped God with God. We flipped, you know, Satan. We flipped – we even flipped the swear words. And you know what? It's really wow. interesting to hear father fucker instead of motherfucker. <laughs> it's really interesting. And then there were some, like, sons of bitches. We could not find a female equivalent of sons of bitches. I think we ended up it's with daughters, daughters of, of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but it was interesting because we had the whole cast together, and we sat there for twenty minutes trying to figure out something that yeah. would be insulting because all of the insults are female. Wow! If you call someone, cause yeah, because at some point it was like, don't be, a, don't be, a, don't be such a girl, or don't be such a. But if you go, don't be such a boy. That's not an insult. Yeah. Right? So we came up with dick. Don't be such a dick. But that's still kind of, there's dignity in being a dick. Yeah. Right? That there's it's kind like, of like you're stubborn. And, yeah. You're, you it know. doesn't mean you're a weenie. It doesn't mean you have, you're afraid of everything. It, it's not an insult. Yeah. And so. That's fascinating. It was, it was such an interesting experience. And we had done it before with Shawshank Redemption. Oh, wow. Which okay. we, you know, we're setting it up. Right? Yeah. Like that's, we're totally stacking the deck. It's an all-male prison. So right. obviously. But even the rat that, that that guy befriends is a male rat. <laughs> oh my All God. the administrations are men. Like, there isn't a single, there are plenty of opportunities. The only woman in the entire script, other than the one that gets killed at the beginning, the only woman in the entire script is a reporter who gets embarrassed. She's there because the, the men pull out their penises mm-hmm. and she's there to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's so many scripts that are like that, that it was just just reading it out loud, just hearing it, just thinking about what a different world it would be yeah. if it was completely the extreme on the other side. Yeah, that makes, that reminds me, I just watched Killing Eve. Yeah, and, I heard that's really good. And it, I had this moment where I was like, is this what it's like to watch, like, a, basically a gender-swapped cast? Interesting. I mean, because the woman the killer was a girl the protagonist was this super smart female and it didn't feel like there were four like right and they were these really complex characters and her boss was a a girl and then they were always having to save the men and Mm -hmm. i it was a moment where i was like this is kind of cool to see this it's a different feeling right and it didn't feel weird you know it it just felt really cool to finally see that and to see like a supportive husband or Mm -hmm. to see that there was this like guy who was such a baby and was (laughs) and they had to constantly save him and it was just really cool to see that switched and um, I think that was really positive to see but I think one of my questions for you is that there are a ton of young girls young women that want to get into um, 
gaming or being a part of motion capture or VO. And I'm wondering what your little nugget of advice would be for them if they really do feel a little discouraged seeing how male-dominated the industry is. I think it's changing. I think we're going to find a happy medium. I don't think we should go all the way to the other right. side. I think – but I, I think that they the, – the biggest thing – that women do to themselves that hurt themselves is that they wait for permission. Mm. And they they often say that um, women are hired on, men are hired on potential and women are hired on accomplishment, Mm. which is the exact situation I just described to you with the, so get get stuff made. Do not wait for permission. Do not wait for um, someone to give you the opportunity go make stuff, get the experience, speak with confidence, speak with, you know, I had a friend of mine who's a director, who's a great director, and she had a DP who kept pushing back on her saying, you can't do that, you can't do that. So she went and took a week-long intensive DP course so that next time a DP says to her, you can't do that, she goes, yes, you can, I know, I've done it. <laughs> you know, you don't don't be intimidated and just pr- protect, prepare yourself as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. but just don't wait for permission because that's the other problem is that they say that if there's like a want ad, right, and it lists all the things that you need to be able to do to apply for the job that they would like you to have, all the skills you should have, mm-hmm. um, men will apply if they have 50% of the skills. Women will only apply if they have 90% or all of the skills. Wow. Apply. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> apply. Uh, you're going to have to learn as you go, and you're going to have to have some embarrassing times of trying to catch up. Yeah. But if, if it's a job you want, and it's a job you know in your heart of hearts you can do and figure out and learn, apply. Yeah. You know, do, do it. Um, or go learn how to do those things and then apply. Or apply and then go learn how to do those things. Like, whatever <laughs> it is. But don't hold yourself back. There's going to be plenty of people whether they mean to or not, because I think most of the time they don't. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, honestly think it's not a conscious thing. Right. Um, and and I will say that part of the reason why I started the nonprofit is because I have my own, I have my own biases against women. Yeah. I noticed because I had never seen a female director in all the years I had worked out here at the time of starting the nonprofit. I had never worked with a female director, so I actually realized I started doubting myself whether women could direct. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having that idea when I'm pursuing that career myself, <laughs> there's a problem. There's a problem. <laughs> so for that reason, I will never judge anyone else for having those doubts because right. I had them. Right. Right. But but also I but I will judge people for not trying to get beyond those doubts and not try to take a risk and not try to put themselves out for other people that are talented. So that's ultimately why I started the nonprofit, because I was like, well, shit, if I'm thinking (laughs) that a lot of people are thinking that and we need to fix it. Right. Actively. We need to actively get these women behind the camera. And that's the main goal of the nonprofit is not just talk about stats and not just talk about how awful the situation is, because the stats are pretty awful. Yeah, It's to actively put them behind the camera in a situation in which people see them behind the camera being awesome and brilliant so that they then no longer have doubts. Right. Because that's the only way. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face. We can say women are visionary, women can do this, women can do that. But unless people actually see them doing it, they're going to still have that little nagging voice in the back of their head. Exactly. So... And I think that's a really great, positive, I don't know, inspiring note to end on here. And I'm so happy that you were able to come in here and talk about all these things. Thank you for having me. It's really been fascinating 
and inspiring at the same time to hear about all this. And I want to make sure that people are able to find you. I just want to um, say one more thing oh, before you ahead, wrap up. The name of your podcast is the other advice I would give <laughs> to anybody in this industry. Just persist. You have to just keep going. Yeah. You have to keep persisting. You have to. And you have to support each other. You have to amplify amplify each other's voices. Um, when you're in a meeting and somebody didn't hear your friend's great idea, say, wow, what a great idea. They just <laughs> You have to persist. Yes. That is the only way. You have to outlast all of the doubts. Yeah. Um, so this is awesome. Thank you. I'm pointing to your poster oh, in case for, yes, those, for I, those of I you at home we don't have video. <laughs> yeah, this, this is awesome. Thank so you so you, much. You can continue. <laughs> um, yes, where can people find you, find the Chimera Project, let me know. My Let web, them know, I my guess. My <laughs> website, americayoung.com, has all the links to the Chimera Project. You can link. Chimera spelled a little weird, so it's probably easier just to go to my website, <laughs> um, americayoung.com. And then um, on Twitter and Instagram, it's America underscore young. Um, and if you're interested in getting in filmmaking, especially if you are a woman, please ask me questions. Tweet at me. I will answer. Perfect. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, thank you. Please go check out all of America's projects. Um, go listen to Barbie. Be awesome. Yeah. Oh, and, and check out my movie. I, my, oh. The feature I directed, executive produced by Stan Lee, is on what? Amazon and iTunes. So check it out, and please leave a review. The review is the most important part of that. <laughs> please do that, too. Yes, thank you. Um, and I guess we will see you guys next time. We'll hear you guys next time. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye.